Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. So um, it's interesting if, you, if you've been around church the last while, um, an intercession. Um, we're definitely pregnant with something here in our church. We, we don't know if it's male or female, but, uh, or twins or triplets, but there's in the spirit. Who, who's picked that up? You know, if, if, if you've been around an intercession, it's like this. <laughs> We don't know exactly what God wants us to do, but we just, you weet, die ketty word getrek. And, and it's there. And, and, and then it goes further. And then, uh, I'm sure God will be very specific, but what we know at this stage is that we are pregnant of something. And God is a God that loves to reproduce. Did you know that? Physically, yes. He loves family so much, he even adopts. He adopts us, that's what scripture says. But he also likes to reproduce spiritually. It's actually more important. He wants us to have children in the spirit, friends, and be there for new people that, that um, encounters Jesus, you know. He's a God of the family. Can you guys hear me at the back? Clearly, cool. Great. So um, tonight me- tonight's message is called A Word in Season, Unity and Courage. We're going to talk about that tonight. Unity and Courage, let me pray. We just invite you, God. Or we should actually pray. Thanks for inviting us. Because you've been around this building way before it was built. And you knew that this congregation would have certain tasks to fulfill in this town. And every other congregation in this town, you knew what your heart was even before the people got born. That's attending the church today. You've been there. If we are uncertain, you are not. So thank you for inviting us into your plan. We open our hearts to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Awesome. Just a quick recap from the last sermon. This is Jesus praying, John 17, 22, and he prays, The glory that you have given me, I have given them. Why? Why? Why do we need glory? That they may be one. It's a prayer of Jesus. He wants us to be one so badly. We see in Psalms, David writes, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together. That's why we bry in Secunda. It's biblical. It's good. But if you bry alone, it's a sin. Okay? <laughs> Must be together. That's God's heart. It's scriptural. It's it. We're going to go to the Old Testament tonight. Um, just... A thing that might help you guys. Who's reading in the moment in the Old Testament, going through? And who sometimes thinks, what? Why? Who? Okay. The Old Testament 
The whole, the whole Old Testament is pregnant with one purpose, Jesus. The whole New Testament is built on one foundation, Jesus. The Old Testament and the New Testament both refers back to Jesus. Okay, So the Old Testament, also called the Old Covenant, is not complete without the birth, spiritually speaking, of Christ. Okay, it, it, Everything is aimed towards Jesus coming. So when you read the Old Testament now that Jesus has come, you will understand it better than the people back then. Because the thing towards to which it points has been revealed. It's like looking at a rugby game, but you know what the final score is. So as the points are being scored, oh, it makes sense, it makes sense. You know it's going to end up 47, 31, whatever. So when the one team gets to 31, you know they're not going to score again, right? Now, reading the Old Testament now is like looking at something and you know Christ will come. And so when we read the Old Testament, we can ask this, what does this mean for my relationship with you, Jesus, in every text? It's a great challenge, but that is possible when you read a, a portion of Scripture that makes sense. You can't take two words and say, okay, a portion, a thought. Christ will be in there. And so we're looking at a story in the Old Testament, something that happened, an account, and we ask ourselves, so what does it mean for us now? Make sense? Great. I've got a map for you, for those who like geography. Um, I even did some art on the map. Some people would be very impressed with me. You see those two arrows? Did it myself. <laughs> the map, I got it myself from Google. And that little blue circle did it myself as well. Just needed to say that. So, if you look at the red arrow, Okay, just some background. That is, um, my son is stealing food at the back. Ben, can you, can you? <laughs> you must be a son in the house, amen? Jockey likes to lack when he's a ocean in He says, lacka, lacka, lacka. Jesus has said, let the children come. Amen? And the young couples in our church, they're very focused on producing children and uh, being obedient to that. So we'll carry on with that. The red arrow is Canaan. Okay? Now, Abraham used to live a little bit more east, and then he moved to more or less where you see the red arrow. Um, you'll see it like a kind of a bluish circle running up to that little uh, piece of ocean. That, that's, that's Canaan. Some of you will be able to read it if you sit close enough. So Abraham had a son. What was his name? One son at least. The important one. Isaac. Okay. Isaac had a son. What was his name? Important one. Jacob. Okay. If you don't know this, please don't feel like a, like a, a second grade Christian. Everyone's not supposed to know everything. That's why we had to teach you. I'm just having fun. Jacob had many sons. Twelve. What was the name of the youngest one? Joseph. Benjamin! Second youngest one. Sorry. Yeah. School. School on a vaster, mate. Joseph had a dream. Remember that. 
Where did they live? Where did they live? They still lived at the Red Arrow. And then they decided to sell Joseph. And where did they take him? To the Black Arrow, right? What happened? He gathered food in Egypt at the Black Arrow. And what happened over at the Red Arrow? Famine. Everyone that lived at the Red Arrow moved to Jacob, uh, to Joseph, asked for forgiveness and lived in Egypt. Everyone was happy there. Until one stage, the Israelites became too many. There was a new Pharaoh and they started to oppress the Israelites, made them slaves. Everyone lived at the Black Arrow. For 400 years, God's people lived as slaves. Everyone with me? A little bit of history. Then what happened? A man got born, Moses. And he led God's people, follow that line, out of Egypt, the ten plagues. Everyone remember that? What At the end there was the Passover. I'm going to talk about that next week. So he marches out of Egypt. Da, 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 da. You see that piece of blue? What happened there? Sea opens up. Wow. And they walk through the sea. That big blob at the bottom, who knows what that is? Mount Sinai. What happened there? Ten Commandments. From the Ten Commandments up to the Red Arrow, 11 days. 11 days worth of journey. It's a slow, it's, it's a little bit slow because God is working with them. He's speaking to them through the cloud. He's giving them the commandments. But it's about 11 days up to the Red Arrow from there. And we're going to start right at the Red, red Arrow where the Israelites are camped outside of Canaan. They, were, they moved out when there was a famine. Now they're back 400 years later, standing outside looking in. And they're about to send in some spies to see hoe dit gaan met opa se grond. Okay. We read in the Bible, just before this takes place, just before they send the spies, they celebrate the Passover. So how long after they exit Egypt? One year and a bit. Okay, one year and a bit. And they're standing outside of the promised land. That's where we are. That was a long story. That's where we are right now. Let's read. And the Lord spoke to Moses. We're going to just enjoy the story. Okay, I'm going to stick with one scripture, but it's got a lot of verses. I'm not going to jump around, get into the story and enjoy it. What I'm going to do is I'm going to stop and give a running commentary every now and then and finish with three points of meaning of what this means for us, our word in season right now. All right, are you with me? Okay. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan. That's where they used to live. Their grandfathers, grandfathers, grandfathers. Which I am giving to the people of Israel. Don't miss that. I'm giving it to you guys. That's what God is saying. For each tribe of their fathers you shall, you shall send a man. Everyone a chief among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all of them who were heads of the people of Israel. Now, I'm not going to read that. The next slide, that's the kind of uh, 
slides you don't like in the Bible. Next one. Numbers 13. Yes, yeah, yeah. Because you see, you don't understand why there's this list of names always. So let me just say that's one man from each tribe, from 12 tribes. There's more than a million people there standing outside of Canaan at that moment. 12 men out of a million. The champion, the one out of each tribe. Only 12. Imagine, out of a million people, you get selected. One of the 12. You represent this 200,000. You represent this 100,000. You are the man. You must go in. Verse 16. These were the names of the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Hosea the son of Nun, Joshua. So Joshua's name was Hosea. Just a little tip. Hosea means salvation. Joshua means God saves. Just before they go in, Moses gives them a hint. He changes Joshua's name. He says, God saves. He says, God says, go and spy out the land that I'm giving you. He changes Joshua's name from Hosea to Joshua. God saves. Before he sends them. He's communicating something to the spies. It's our land. This is our country. And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, go up into the Negev and go into the hill country and see what the land is. See whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many, and whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad. And remember, there was a famine. The last time they can remember, there was a famine. So they don't know. Is it Karua or is it Naisna? They, 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 they don't know. And they're going to check it out. All right? And whether the land is rich or poor, or whether there are trees in it or not, they don't know. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. And they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin to Rehob. Now when they mention these names, if you go and look at the map, what they're trying to tell you, they spied the whole land. Everything. All the way from the bottom to the top. They've been everywhere. Okay? The wilderness Zin of Rehob, the Lebo Hamath. And they went up to the Negev and came to Hebron. Ahiman, Shestai, and Talmai, the descendants of Anak, were there. Hebron was built seven years before Zion in Egypt. And they came to the valley of Eshkol and cut down, listen to this, from there a branch with a single cluster of grapes and they carried it on a pole between two of them. Ian drive it Op a pal tussen twee manne. Hier is jou korrel vir die dag. Want ek kom net snuif vir my familie. Okay? It was like watermelons on a vine. Oh. If you drop it on your friend, he loses his ankle. I mean, this is... That place was called the Valley of Eshkol because of the cluster that the people of Israel cut down from there. At the end of the 40 days, they returned from, sp- from spying out the land. They're coming back. Not only did God say, I'm giving you the land, Joshua's names are changed. He also, they also bring back this one cluster. It's all they can carry between the 12 of them. And they came to Moses and Aaron 
to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran, back where they were waiting at Kadesh, they brought back word to them, to all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. What? These people were in the desert. Okay? Now they're coming with grapes. Next slide. It's just That's where they are at that moment. Right. That's where they're waiting, more or less. Let's go on. And they told him, we came to the land to which you send us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong. There it starts. However, God. And the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. They were giants. Very big men. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev, and the Hittites, Jebusites, everything that's a site, it's, they're just there. The Amorites, Parasites, they dwell in the hill country, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. What they are trying to say is, the Jebusites are to the left, these guys are to the north, why is everyone there? Why is everyone there? You seen the grapes? Have you seen the soil? Everyone wants in. Everyone. We don't want to get our hands dirty here. Yeah. We're going to get our butts kicked. That's what they're saying. We're going to be in trouble. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let's go up at once and occupy it. The first man spoke, speaks up. For we are able to overcome it. That's what Caleb is saying. And then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied on, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours it its inhabitants, because they're constantly fighting over the land, right? And all the people that we saw in it are of great height, and there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak. And we seem ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seem to them. Don't lose me, it's just a story, we're carrying on. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry. Now, we're going to see in a second, Joshua and Caleb is positive. Ten guys are negative. Now, who's upset? All the congregation. Ten people is enough to upset millions. They're all upset and they are crying and they weeping through the night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we have died in the land of Egypt. Why didn't we just stay there? Or would that we have died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not have been better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, Let us choose a leader. Let's get another guy. This is insane stuff. If you read the Old Testament slowly, it's brutal. 
Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people. They're probably, they're probably scared. These people are going to kill them. They want a new leader. And Joshua, now Joshua comes up, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. Two men, two men out of ten, or two men out of more than a million. Two tearing their clothes and said to the congregation of the people the land which we which we passed to spy it out is exceedingly good land just just as a side note if you're taking notes out of a lot of people to add faith so let me ask you if people are still the same more or less i think it's safe to say that good leaders you don't find around every corner Two out of more than a million had faith. Two. And what I thought when I read this, I realized, praise God for the leaders in our church. That's what I thought. And I want to commend you guys because I think we've been dealt a good hand. I think God has been exceedingly gracious to us. If you look around this place, I see so many Joshua and Caleb's. He's been kind to us. But let me tell you this, a godly upright leader that will stand the test of faith till the end, two out of more than a million. That's, that's not a set statistic. It's, it's a hyperbole. You don't find it very often. Let us stand together with one another. Let us encourage one another. It gets tough out there. Amen? Let us remain grounded in our faith. I don't want to get sidetracked. I want to carry on. If the Lord delights in us, He will bring us into this land and give it to us. That's what these two guys are saying. A land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. They're pleading with the people. And do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them. Listen to that. Their protection is removed from them because God said, go. And the Lord is with us. Then all the congregation said to stone them with stones. But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the people of Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will this people despise me? And how long will they not believe in me in spite of all the signs I have done among them? Ten plagues. Food falls from heaven. If you don't watch out, it's on your head. In the day, there's a cloud over the ark. Every day. In the night, the cloud turns to fire. It takes so long for them to journey because scripture says they can only move if the cloud moves because they'll die if they walk out from underneath the cloud. So when they were in their 40 years, it's because the cloud did not move. Okay? These people live with the supernatural. They put it in their mouth. And then when the God that opens his hand to throw the manna says go, they say we cannot do it. They talk about how high the walls are. They talk about how great the cities are. They talk about how tall these men. No one, no one says how great God is. It's crazy. <laughs> but you know what's upsetting? That's me and that's you. 
that is us. If we are really honest about it, it is us. We are the ten, we're not the two. Because we're constantly sitting in fear. We constantly load ourselves with worry. We are the ten, not the two. And we should turn our hearts. Amen? Listen, it's a hard word, but, but eat it into your spirit because it's going to make you stronger. Okay? Amen? Let's carry on. Now, in verse 19, Moses says to God, Please pardon the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of your steadfast love, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt until now. These people want to stone Moses. Moses is he's still here. He's saying, God, just forgive them. I'm saying, God, strike them. You know? <laughs> Open the earth. Do a trick. Myself, Aaron, our wives, Caleb and Joshua will go. He's saying, God, no, please. I'm telling you, I don't, I don't count among the great leaders because I would have said, Amen, Lord, when, when he said, I will strike them. Amen. <laughs> then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word, but truly as I live, we're almost done with the scripture. Great story, eh? Wow. And as all the earth shall be filled with a glory, as truly as that, none of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and yet have put me to the test these ten times and have not obeyed my voice shall see the land that I swore to give to their fathers. They will not see it. And none of those who despise me shall see it but my servant Caleb. Because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land which he went. And his descendants shall possess it. Your dead bodies shall fall in the wilderness and all of your number listed in the census from 20 years old and upward, all right, who have grumbled against me, not one shall come into the land where I swore that I would make you dwell, except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh and Joshua, son of Nun. Only those two can go in. Can we go to that map again? Um, anyone will work. That's where they are. Okay? And that's where you enter Canaan. God says you're not going in. Only Joshua and Caleb gets to go in. God needs to wait for everyone else to die. And so they start walking in circles. The cloud moves, they move. The fire moves, they move. And they stay around that area just to go back in there from that point. Oh, let us not miss opportunities like that. I pray for each one of us. Listen, I'm not saying God's going to make you take a 40-year detour. Please, it's not what Scripture is saying. What scripture is saying is there, there are times when there's moments of acceleration in your life. And if you are in step with the Spirit, how great is the fruit on the other side? Are you with me? Sometimes we go in six-month circles. When we were single, I'm, I'm, I'm not thinking of any one of you, please. I'm not trying to say something to someone. When we were young and single, we get our heart broken every time. We make the same mistakes. We put ourselves on, the, on this 
on, on the cycles. Who knows what I'm talking about? God is there every time. What is He wanting to do in your life right now? Because maybe you're right there. Okay? You're right there. <laughs> Don't take a detour. Okay? Not this season, please. Don't take a detour. Check this out. Uh, um, I'm telling you, um, verse 29, that first one, your dead bodies shall fall in this wilderness. Backtrack 17 verses, 19 verses, no, 17. In verse 2, the people say, would that we have died in the land of Egypt or would that we rather die in the wilderness? They ask it. They say, let us rather die in the wilderness. What does God say? You will die in this wilderness. Oh. Check this quote. This is one to write down. Jay Parker makes a comment, is a commentator on this piece. He says, There is no greater punishment heavier than that which falls upon any man when God allows him to take his own course. It is the most dangerous road you can walk. Disney says, just let your heart guide you. No! <laughs> no! It's a nice connotation. No. Let the voice of the Spirit guide you. I'm just going to trust my gut. No! Don't trust your gut. Don't say what you feel and, 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 and hunger after that. Because you've been given the opportunity to renew your mind. Romans 12 verse 2. Amen? It is the greatest trouble that awaits me. If everything I wish for, from my flesh, right? If all my desires, everything I just want, if God just say, it's, the, it's my road of destruction. We need to be renewed. Amen? Are you, everyone with me? All right. Jay Parker, smart man. So what does this mean for Shofar Secunda in 2018? Three things. Three things. I don't have any one person in mind. I'm not preaching at people. I feel this is God's word to us. We need to pray into it. There's still no specifics, okay? It's just in the spirit. It's just spiritual preparation. The Israelites were grumblers. If you go and read, just start in the beginning of Numbers, okay? They were grumbling way before they got to that point. And so when they got to that point, what did they do? They grumbled. Because that's what they do. <laughs> we laugh. That's me. That's you. That's us. <laughs> Amen? So let us prepare our spirit so that when we get to those moments of acceleration, that we are in the spirit. Point number one. It's a time to unite our hearts around God's leading. It's a time to unite our hearts. I cannot, or I, I do not have a calling in this town. And Cole does not have a calling in this town. Or Germa. We have. <laughs> Ten said we could not beat this people. We cannot beat this people. Two said yes. And everyone had to wait. There's times when God wants His people to be one. And this is time. 
It's a quick note. Can the majority be trusted always? But here's another note. God will always preserve the prophetic voice for himself. Always. If a million people gives a bad report, Joshua and Caleb would have stood up and said, no, God will never be silenced in this town. Let us be, let us repent from being in the tent. Let's turn our hearts to the two. God, use us to be your voice. Please use us to be your voice because he will not be silenced in this town. Amen? His voice will speak against us or through us. Let us bring our hearts. Vandagestuik. It's a, it's a hard word. Are you guys with me? Is it okay? Am I, am I offending you? I'm sorry if I'm offending you. Speak to Hanu. I'll sort it out. <laughs> Let me just say something before I move on. What the enemy does is he conditions us to be slaves. He puts us in a desert. Let's look at the Israelites. To a place where these people think it's normal to live in the desert. It was not God's plan to live under a cloud by day and under a pillar of fire at night and eat bread that falls from the sky. It was a way to keep them alive. It's not his plan, but they've become so conditioned that when God spoke, they could not bring their hearts together with the men of faith because they've traded their faith for fear. They've just preserved their lives. We need to get above that. We need to go back and get our faith where we've lost it, where we've misplaced it. Okay? So that when the Spirit says, now take the land, we don't go back to the desert waiting for bread to fall out of the sky because it's time to eat grapes. <laughs> okay? It's a lot better. So for 40 years, they roamed around. Let's, let's press in. Let's go in. Just press someone next to you and say, we're going to go in. We're going to go in. Okay, we're moving on. That's point number one. I only have three. Put it in your spirit. Pray through it. So it's two scriptures on the next slide. Is it a contradiction? Let's quickly look at it. Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the people of Israel. I'm giving it. Okay? And then verse 33, the men comes back and they're basically saying, I think God got it wrong because we saw the Nephilim, the giants, the sons of Anak there. So they're saying there's a contradiction. How can God say he's giving us the place, but now the sons of Anak is there? Is that a contradiction? It's not. But here's the thing, number two. It's a time to overcome great adversities. No true kingdom is ever conquered without a great battle. Know that. Look at Secunda. Some of the best human capital in the world works just here. Some of the biggest amount of money, if you're talking about grapes and fruit, flows through this town. That's not what we live for, but just, we're just accessing, this town, accessing the town, right? Some of the greatest buildings, technology you find here, you think there will be no battle for this place? 
That's a great kingdom. You've got the Amorites, the Parasites, Jebusites, you've got everyone, but God is saying, go. Okay? There will be a great battle. And God said, go. Because we're going to win the battle. That's why. It's time to overcome great adversities. I want to read you something for, from um, Spurgeon. Okay? So just switch your, your, R, your R-class brain on. Okay. Listen to this. This is not me being harsh with you guys. It's Spurgeon. He's dead, so there's nothing you can do about that. <laughs> but let it encourage us, okay? Let's, let it encourage us. Listen to, th- listen to this. If any service be done for God, it must be hard service. Okay. He's saying we must go hard. If you need to be featherbed soldiers, go and enlist somewhere else. <laughs> so, so he's commenting on these 10 people that's coming back. He's saying... God's army was not the place for them. Christ's soldiers must fight and they will find the battle rough and stern. We, the church, are militant. We are engaged in no mimic maneuvers and grand parades. Our life is real and earnest. Our battle, though not with flesh and blood, is with spiritual wickedness and in high places. It involves hard blows and keen anguish. You must look for real fighting if you become a soldier of Christ. And oh, sir, if the excuse for fainting is that the work is toilsome, that it is too much of a drag upon you, why did you begin it? You ought to have known it at the first. So he's speaking like, what what would God have said to those men? Are you with me? It's not reading it to us and lashing you. It's, it's, It's the kind of thoughts that should draw us in. But check this out. But ah, let me say, the work was not toilsome when your heart was loving towards God. Neither would it be so hot if your soul were right with God. This is but an unworthy excuse. Ardent spirits love difficulties, he says. Fervent love delights in making sacrifices. He's saying real love overcomes great giants. It's a time to overcome. Great adversities. Who's knocking at your door? What is that thing keeping you away? God knows about it. It's time to conquer. Amen? Last one. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit, has followed me fully. I will bring him into the land. Caleb's got a different spirit. Number three. It's a time to hear the voice of the spirit. And take courage. Take courage against the thing that press you down. Okay? Don't let it steal your hope any longer. I think tonight we must just pray a few prayers of faith. And so when God is telling you, you can do it. Know. Know that there will be different voices. Okay? Just... Be aware of it now already. Be aware of it that when God says, yeah, you can do it, that there will be a counter voice. Be aware of it. Know it. And so I just want to encourage you guys and say, you are called for a time such as this. 
not to compare yourself with someone else, but to take your next step. Individually, it's, it's time to conquer and also together corporately for us. Okay, what is a giant you're afraid of right now? You can take it. All right? Small group leaders, you guys, I want to encourage you. You're doing an amazing work. Don't let the enemy ever tell you and discourage you and, and, and tell you stuff like, it's just a random meeting. I'm telling you, lives are changing in your homes. Amen? You are doing a great work in this town. Small group attender, okay? You are part of God's kingdom by sharing. You are new around here and you don't know what I'm talking about. God is maybe starting a journey with you. He's got a great plan with you. Even if it's your first time here, it's not about us. We're nothing, just a pipe. We hope we don't obstruct our own flow, okay? We are just a pipe. I think we're a good one and I think God can use us. But even if it's your first time here, I'm telling you now, don't bow your knee to a voice that's not God. Don't do it. It's got a plan for your life. It's time for us to stand together. It's time for you to overcome. And that's not prosperity gospel because I am trying to motivate us to face our fears. Not to make it, not to look for an easy way. It's time to unite our hearts. Time to come together, guys. It's a time to overcome great adversities. It's a time to hear the voice of the Spirit. Out of more than a million, 12 were selected. Out of 12, only two could hear. But He is speaking to us very clearly. We're hearing Him at intercession. We, we hear His reassurance. He's with us. We're going to move. He's going to do amazing things in this town. Let us take our ears back and bring it to God. Because I believe we're there. They were at the red arrow. And now we just need to trust God. Amen.